You're in Toronto to attend this big retrospective show celebrating 25 years as a film composer. You're an artist who seems to always be working on new things, focusing on on what's new, what's next. And you're also a young man. I can only imagine it must be kind of strange to look back. I'm not that young. <laughs> I just finished 50. Well, that's not, that's not too bad. That's I mean, too bad. most time retrospectives don't happen until you're about you I know, know, right? 80, 85. <laughs> Yeah, but I started very young. I started at the age of 12. Yeah. How are you feeling about looking back? Um, feels good. Feels good. I feel very blessed and humble and to be loved by my family, people who listen to my music mm-hmm. and the world. <laughs> you know, I think that the music, you say that the music that's loved by people around the world and, and, and loved by your family, it's a wide variety of music and a wider variety of music than you find from most composers. There's classical music in there, Western classical music, Indian classical music, folk music, rock, electronica, there's hip hop. But do you see, and I know this isn't an easy question, but do you see a commonality through all those genres that you play, like a signature that is, that is you? I think we go to the primal sense of what I come from is to to get a sense of uh, peace, to get a sense of unity within me. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a rhythm section or whether programming rhythm or a melody or a repetition of a chant, or there is a sense of uh, meditation or spirituality which is within me which comes out, Whether even if it's a fun song. <laughs> um, but I don't know, people who, who recognize that recognize it. But I, I think on the whole... We all want some kind of a relief from the reality. Yeah. We want us to want music to be transforming us or taking us to another place, and that happens. Does that happen to you before you sit down to compose when you're sitting at the piano bench, or does it happen to you mid-composition? I think it's it's a strange thing because sometimes you start playing, and when you're playing, you you play the basic stuff, what comes onto your hand, and and then after a particular point, you transcend into something else. And we're all looking for that something else, which is not easy because you have to mentally go into that space and then bring that out from your mind or whatever it's called. Yeah. And it could be surprising. It could be surprising. Most of the times, in life, where was that? Where did that come from? I think it comes from... <laughs> Those are the nice moments. Yeah. 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 Uh, it comes from moving away from what's there and then finding... Uh, the seeker inside you is seeking something different. If I would if I had to listen to some some music, and what would I listen to? I want to listen to something which is normal. I would listen to something which is special, and without taking dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see that that might help. <laughs> I don't take dope. What what do you listen to these days? What do you, what are you listening to? Uh, good question. Um, always go back to classical music. I don't know why. Whether it's Western classical music, Western classical, Eastern classical, and Sufi music, and because I think it has a sense of foundation, and it feels like unshakable because of years of uh, perfection. Yeah, and I love modern music too. On the radio, I listen to what's going on. It gives me a sense of peace. Well, it's, it's, it's elemental, I think, when you listen to etudes, you know, when you listen yeah. to, say, Chopin, like, you know, the, yeah. the, the etudes. Yeah. They're very, very simple. They're meant to be yeah. studied. They're, they're meant so that you can get your technique up 
But what they really introduce you to is is the is the groundwork of the music yeah. that you'll that you'll be making. Absolutely. I know your father was a, a musician as well. Your father was a, um, a musical director. He's a, a, composer, a composer, conductor, arranger, everything. A great musician, from what great I understand. Father, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he, and he passed away while you, while you were young. What 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 memories do you have of him? I know you, you just kind of you kind of perked up when I when we talked about his music. What memories do you have of him playing music? Um, I mean, for every son, the father is a hero, right? Yeah. I think for me, it was interesting to watch him perform all over. He was almost leading many bands and he would work in multiple studios at the same time just side by side and so the sense of admiration and and after he passed away um the sense of respect which people had a aura about him and that aura actually kind of inspired me to keep up with what he he did and and go beyond and and I know he passed away when you were very young do you think that that well, how do you think that experience influenced your art, influenced your music? I was, uh, I had a sense of freedom even at that time. I wanted to. What do you mean? I, um, after he passed away, I was playing as a session musician. I was playing to people, but my mind was not restrained to what I was playing for other people. I was, I wanted to go beyond. I wanted to listen to stuff which was not there mm-hmm. back in Chennai. Yeah. I would listen to world music, classical music, Chinese music. Yeah. Or African music, or jazz, and Chikoria, Dave Grusin, yeah. and then Hollywood film scores like John Williams and Vangelis, and so in my mind I was this rebel inside who wanted to do something else than what was there because what what's there is there already; it's reachable. But so I think that kind of helped me to open up and seamlessly integrate when I uh, wanted to do more. Whether, whether my film scores or coming to Hollywood or understanding and adapting to different styles. Well, you had every opportunity to do more because you were kind of pushed into being a full-time musician. I, I know that, that your mother kind of encouraged you in a not-so-subtle way to start playing music, to, yeah. to, to, to give up school. Mm-hmm. What, what was her rationale behind that? I think she believed that I was born to do music and not something else. So yeah. <laughs> she believed it more than me. And and because she, I didn't have a choice because she was a widow and we had three sisters yeah. and I had to go and earn. So in a way I had fun. At the same time, there was a responsible job. And and I didn't know that this would turn into something more passionate in later years. How, how do you feel about it now? I feel very good. I feel what a decision she made. Otherwise, I'd be repairing computers in a corner shop. <laughs> <laughs> you have no, you have no. But at the time, did you, at the time, did you want to be a full-time musician? I, I mean, I just, I just picture you leaving the school one day, going home, playing piano, and never walking back to that school, but instead going out and playing piano. I mean, did, did you want to do that at the time? At that time, I was, I was wondering about other things, about social respect or. Another thing, what would if I don't study, if I don't get a, you know, mm-hmm. if I not graduate something, would people respect me? And I, of course, all that went off. <laughs> and I got multiple doctorates all over the place. And at that time, my, my mind space was that. But but going deeper into things which opened up, like in 84, the first MIDI instrument came and I bought it first. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn. The first musical computer came and I bought it first. So I could afford all that because I was earning at the age of... What was my age? 18? Mm-hmm. 
Something like that. But, that, but that's interesting. Uh, Herbie Hancock was in here not too long ago, and yeah. I got a chance to speak with Herbie, and he said something very similar. He said as soon as the first – now, mind you, he had already done a lot of incredible things, but he said as soon as the first MIDI computer came out, um, he, he wanted to get it right away. As soon as the first synthesizer came out, he wanted to get it right away and see what he could do with it. You don't strike me as a composer or a musician who likes to look in the past. Uh, I just want to keep evolving. Um, at the same time, not get boggled by the technology, but how to master it and how to throw the technology aspect, the word out, right. and relate to me with soul, with uh, with the kind of feeling which I have, and translate that without any boundaries or without any restrictions of knowing about programming or switches. Or so I have all my key commands memorized, and <laughs> and when I go to sit on my logic or when I program stuff. Is that so? Like you, 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 you have memorized everything you have to do technologically, so you don't have to think about. Yeah, it. I don't have to think about it because that's when I felt like it took three years for me to uh, shift from a sequencer, hardware sequencer, to the computer yeah. workstation. Yeah. And I would have it set up in a room so that I, I would surpass this whole. Oh, what is that key coming for this? Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not for that. It took me three years. So till then, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even go near. I had the computer, mm-hmm. had my Pro Tools logic set up and I wouldn't even touch it. I would still be sequencing on my MC500, Roland MC500, because I was so fast on that. I worked almost 10 years on that. But, that. but that's no different than playing piano. Like if you're sitting down, if you're composing and you're, starting to, you're trying to remember what a C-sharp augmented chord is, you're not going to be as yeah, creative but then this as is, you are. But this is like probably 100 times more because <laughs> you're talking about samples, you're talking yeah, about... It's uh, a lot to learn. Yeah, algorithms and operators and FM synthesis and this and... Quantization and yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I, I play the banjo, man. Like I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got that one thing I got to do on the banjo. Even when I plug it in, I can't really do it. Uh, do you wanna, can we listen? Because, to because I was oh, produce, yeah. I was doing commercials and and commercials are like twenty seconds of music, but I did it passionately because that was my only way to compose. Because I was playing for other people, but creatively, I was really writing music for commercials. So. So the computers helped me to be independent, not to rely on anybody else, but be secretive about it and, and, and be more personalized. So it comes out as my music totally, and it's not doesn't depend upon anybody else. It took me a long time to be collaborative and, and uh, to work with other musicians. Do you, like, find, do you find that hard? It took me because I'm so intimidated by people. <laughs> you At least are, back then. Now I'm, I'm better now. Yeah. And then, and not after playing with Mick Jagger and Dave Stewart and Joss Stone and David Marley all together in, the, in Henson Studios where yeah. We Are the World was recorded. So after that, it changed my life. Yeah, I, I think once you once you're with those guys, yeah, 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 you, yeah. you're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to some music. This is a, a, a little bit of what happened to be your first hit soundtrack in India. This is from a 1992. <laughs> China China essay from the 1992 Indian film Roja. It was written by a composer, A.R. Rayman, who is with me right now in our studio. So you were 24, 25 years old when you wrote that? 
What do you um, let me turn your microphone back on? What do you What do you hear when you listen to that now? It feels good. Yeah, just that uh, instead of the keyboard strings, I would have used live strings. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but at that point, it was uh, such a low budget movie. Yeah, um, I felt blessed that this movie had come because I'm working with one of the most reputed directors, whom I was a big fan, Mani Ratnam, and it was my first opportunity. Do, do, does it, do you still recognize yourself in there, or does it sound like somebody else? No, no, it does. You hear yourself? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's you. Because <laughs> I have to perform that in every concert. So. Oh, do you really? You still have to do it? Yeah, it's my first song, so. Do you mind? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm but, proud of it. I mean, there's no shortage of musicians. I mean, I don't know how much Mick Jagger loves playing. I don't get no satisfaction, you know, anymore. I mean, uh, I mean, most of the song-wise, yeah, songs-wise, it it's not just me. It's it's great lyrics. Some of the guy writes the lyrics, and the concept is by the director. So it's a mix of three energies together. Why do you think that soundtrack was so so revolutionary? It was called one of the top ten greatest soundtracks of all time. I don't know. <laughs> It's hard. It's a hard question to analyze. I, know, I think work. at that point of time, my state of mind was, "This is my last movie, so let me do it amazingly well." <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, the kind of apocalyptic uh, energies were there at that time too, like how this year is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you work. What I can't get over about you is you work a lot in this in this system. Or we call it over here, I guess, the Bollywood system. Um, also, the the Hollywood system um, has a reputation for being this film factory, this Indian film factory, constantly pumping out movies. It wasn't uncommon for you to be working on five to ten soundtracks in a given year. Now, I've done, I should say. A little tiny bit of film scoring, like the smallest bit, one or two songs in a film, and it took everything out of me. I mean, it took it, a, it took me forever, and I found it really challenging. And back then, you were doing was it like five, ten soundtracks? A you know, year? At, that, at that time, people are laughing at me. Why? Because composers used to finish the whole soundtrack in three days with an orchestra, of course. And it used to be a formula. Like each composer would do 40, 50 movies a year. And I said, I'm going to do one movie in six months. And people are laughing at me. What do you get paid? How, is, how are you going to sustain? You know, all these questions which I didn't even care about. So I said, I I, I'm doing this for passion, not for anything else. I don't care about anything. So there's sense of satisfaction in that. Because I've seen people work like really, really hard. And they burn out and... Finally, you don't have any passion for what you're doing. And I realized that when, because I've worked with a couple of world musicians like El Shankar and Zakir, and they did an album and I played keyboards on it, and I noticed that um, the engineers and, and the whole production team is, they didn't bother about the time taken, but the quality of. And probably that things like that changed my um, perception of producing or music composition or film scoring because how how did it change it changed from like the rule of you have to finish a song in eight hours you know that's how it was yeah so for me I, I don't care I'll do it for a week just to make a statement that I can <laughs> not that it's, a, it's not a bad thing to do a song for a week or bad thing to do for a month mm -hmm. till till you're satisfied with it so that was Film film composer extraordinaire A.R. Raymond is in the studio with me. We're taking a walk 
a little bit, talking a little bit about music and, and sort of a walk down memory lane here. Uh, I want to go to the, the, the one of the kind of key moments, which was the soundtrack to The Slumdog Millionaire. A lot of people in North America were introduced to your music through that movie. We, we played a little bit of Jai Ho earlier. Uh, here's another song from the soundtrack. They can't touch me. We break off run so fast. They can't even touch me. In that gypsy, touch me. I show you tricks from my six side quickly. Pick up the pecs on my journey. Dogs run, they start to follow me. I'm alive some days. They suck. We live for the buck. We get for the family. One day I want to be a star. So I get to hang in a bar. I go to Vegas to pay us just to forget my scars. I know that. I, I know that you're kind of looking around. And Do you still like listening to that? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it was fun. I think I, I remember how Danny was saying, hey, uh, why is, don't you... This co- is Danny Boyle? Danny Boyle. Yeah. Saying Danny was like, why don't you collaborate with M.I.A.? I said, yeah, sure. And uh, because M.I.A. knows me and I, I know her too, her music. Mm-hmm. And so she came in because she was in London at that time and she saw the movie. We sat in that little room and jammed for this one. Oh, yeah, it, it just improvised? Yeah. Wow. And then she said, why don't you send the beat? And she was in New York. I sent the track and she put the strap and sent it back. If, if you didn't recognize it, that is OCF from um, the Slumdog Millionaire soundtrack. It was unlike any other piece of music that had ever won. The whole soundtrack, it was like nothing had ever won an Oscar before. Why do you think it struck such a chord? I think uh, we were very lucky. <laughs> really? <laughs> because... All the stuff which came that year was pretty depressing, movies-wise. Yeah. And in this movie gave a lot of hope. And this is the one which stood out. And it was not in a dog. It, it stood out like we wanted to. It's an underdog story, first of all. And it had a very distinctive uh, nuance to this, whether the music or the movie. And Danny first and said, hey, I've never done a movie like this ever. I don't know how it is. Just watch it and tell me. <laughs> That's what he said. I don't know those words. It's it's funny you mentioned that you know the rest of the music was 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 kind of depressing and your music was was full of hope and it, it re- reminds me of what you said earlier about that there's kind of a common link between all of your pieces of music seems to be a, a greater faith uh, a, a greater perspective um, uh, something kind of sp- did, something spiritual. How does that try to <laughs> sometimes we fail sometimes we. Do, do you see your music as ultimately hopeful? I want. I mean, I've done dark things too. I've done scored for the Lord of the Rings. Musical, yeah. And there's so much of dark music I've done, um, but I think ultimately, and of course, you're doing film scoring. Of course, there's a lot of dark stuff happening in that too. But songs-wise, like people, people respond to this kind of thing immediately. Mm-hmm. They they feel connected because we're all suffering. <laughs> yeah. We we are, we are all suffering in and, a way, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the that's kind of the the condition of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So when you listen to some kind of redemption, some kind of ease, it's whether in music or whether it's in poetry or or in beauty or in anything, we just we just latch onto it. Yeah, and music can be the antidote to mm-hmm. a lot of human suffering. Uh, at this point, you're not just making music for movies; you're making films yourself. You just recently directed a short film in virtual reality. I don't think it's short anymore. I think it's gone past 45 minutes now. Oh, so is it gone? So we, we just edited it and we just started edi- editing it. It's a four and a half hour long movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Uh, and you're set to release your first feature length film musical, 99 songs. Um, yep. what, what spurred your desire to, to direct rather than just compose? I decided not to direct. 
and and I'm not directing 99 songs. Mm-hmm. I got a great uh, collaborator, Vishwesh Krishnamurthy. But the VR piece, you are. The VR, right? yes. Yeah. The VR, I think what happened was we set up a team mm-hmm. and I was envisioned the whole project and somebody ditched me and I had to take over. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a necessity. It was a necessity. Yeah. And uh, in the due course, I learned a lot of stuff. And because I don't know anything about 2D mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. I'd uh, done a lot of research and went for workshops on VR and kind of... Um, build the whole thing according to what's going to work on VR, hopefully. <laughs> I, I, I loved earlier, I want to go back to what you were saying about you know your music being faithful, your music being faith-filled, I should say, rather than mm-hmm. faithful, your music being spiritual, um, your, your own faith. You, you converted to Sufi Islam in your 20s. How has that faith that guided the music that you make? I think the word faith itself is about unconditional belief in good things. You believe that this is a good thing for humanity, for your own soul, for for your co for your brothers, whatever faith they are in. And um, I think that's what my music is doing. Mm-hmm. There's no barring anybody or you can't listen to my music or it's for everyone. I listen to music from other faiths or other you know, from the West or for East or for Africa. So we're blessed to be in music. Music actually transcends that uh, any kind of divisions which people are now putting it even more. It was um, now you see like everything is being walled. <laughs> There's a wall here, the wall there in the mind, in in everywhere. So from the beginning, I believe that we are all one. We come from the same source, and uh, that. I think probably is one of the reasons why I also do multiple styles, mm-hmm. which I believe that we can do it because we're all one. There may be cultural differences and uh, the, the covering of th- things might be different, but it's easy to adapt things uh, if you have this thought in your mind. How, how has the current political climate? I mean, I can't, I can't. You, you, obviously, you, you can't. You can't escape it. Um, whether it's the shootings in Quebec City here, whether it's the, the immigration laws coming into place in the United States, how, how is the current climate affecting your work? I think you feel even more motivated to do beautiful things. I think this is the time for artists, for songwriters, for poets, and for filmmakers to show the world what it should be, what it could be, than just showing the same thing. Trans, uh, transport them into into something, alternate beauty, or bring the past, bring bring stuff which is so beautiful and, and focus on that. And Before I let you go, <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite chord? Chord? Chord. 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 Oh. The 13th. <laughs> the 13th? That's a beautiful one. Yeah. All right. I like... For now. A.R. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Raymond, thank you. For, we'll, we'll play a little sample of the 13th chord now in a minute. Thank sure. you so much.